So he says there in verse 1, And it came to pass at the end of two full years. The Lord has his own schedule, and it's not our schedule. And usually uh, it runs a lot slower than our schedule. We want God to hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, but God's got things planned out. And I believe some of that has to do with God gifting us, gifting us with the ability of free will. That he has designed this world as an amazing creator and designer, and he's got prophecy, he's got his word that's got to come to pass, but as amazing creator, designer that he is, he also has given us a free will to work in that system. Even though we have a free will to do what we want to do, he's going to make things happen the way he wants them to happen. Amen. Now you say, explain all that, Brother Keegan. I can't quite do it, but that's why I'm not God. <laughs> But he's doing it. We know we have a free will, but we also know the Lord says, okay, it's time for me to do this. And he has Pharaoh have a dream. Verse 2, and behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine, or cattle, or, or cows, and, flat, and fat flesh, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored, and fat kind, so Pharaoh awoke. He sees these cattle by the river. They're fat. They look good. And then these, these ones that don't look good, there's seven others come up there. They don't, these, these cows don't look good. They eat up the ones that do look good, these skinny little cows. And even though when they eat them up, they're still not uh, fat. They look bad. And that, that, of course, just startles Pharaoh awake from his dream. Well, then verse 5, he slept and dreamed the second time. He falls back asleep. He gets, tries to get some more rest, and behold, the Lord gives him this dream. Seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. They're in a file, they're in a rank file, and they look good. Verse 6, and behold, seven thin ears, and blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke. And behold, it was a dream. This was real to Pharaoh, but when he woke up, he realized, oh, I'm, I'm only having a dream. We've all had dreams like that where we, we, it's so real to us, and we wake up, we might be kicking our wives or something like that, and, you know, if we wake up, you know, we, oh, I mean, you're so thankful it was a dream. That's what Pharaoh's just went through, and it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. Pharaoh, knows something, Pharaoh knew this was something different, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof, and Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Pharaoh needs some help. He knows that something's happening in his life and he realizes that he's having these dreams and these are special dreams and he knows these dreams mean something to me. So he goes to the world's, the world's best at the time, magicians and wise men, because Egypt was the best of the best at the time and had all the wise people of the time, all the magicians, the great magicians of the time, and they still couldn't help him out. They still couldn't help him out. Now, as we go through the sermon, I'm going to try to go as quick as I can. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can't think of a time that you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. After every service at this church, we always give an invitation. It's an invitation to come on down and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you can't think of a time, you don't know if you're going to go to heaven or hell. This would be the opportunity for you to come on down here and to get saved and go on to heaven. All right, verse 9. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. <laughs> so this butler says, I remember there's a guy that can do something about this. And he, this guy, this butler, he's a type of a Christian that only remembers the Lord when there's a time of crisis. 
And I've tried to preach on this sermon, uh, preach these sermons on Joseph and preach the types and show you that, there's, that Joseph is the greatest type of Jesus Christ in the Bible. And I'm going to show you that Pharaoh's a type of the Father, God the Father. But this butler, he represents a Christian. He represents a Christian that not only forgets Jesus Christ, but he only remembers Jesus Christ when there's an emergency in his life. It, uh, these kind of Christians, they te te uh, treat Jesus Christ simply like he's an emergency room. They treat the church like it's an emergency room. When some emergency room, when some crisis comes into the life, a major trouble, they come and they run and they come into the church or come to Jesus Christ. And when things start calming down and th things start getting better, then they leave and they don't come back unless there's another crisis in their life. Guys, uh, Jesus Christ is, uh, is worthy of everything we do for him, and he deserves to be treated better than that. Amen. Yeah, he, Jesus Christ deserves to be treated better. He deserves our worship. He deserves our, everything we have. He deserves, he's worthy of everything we do for him. Verse 10, Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. So he's going to tell the story. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he, we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, a Hebrew, Servant to the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted us our dreams to each man according to his dream he did interpret, and it came to pass as he had interpreted to us, so it was me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. So he told the story that we've, we, 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 we went through the, a couple of weeks ago. He told the same story I just got through talking about. Now notice, though, he said there in uh, verse 12, he said there was a Hebrew servant. There was a Hebrew servant. The world would, be do, would do good would do good to come to a Hebrew prophets, to turn to the Hebrew prophets. The world would do good to turn to the Hebrew prophets if they want to understand what's going on in the world today. And you're going to find these Hebrew prophets, you're going to find them in this Bible right here. It's where you're going to find these Hebrew prophets in this Bible right here. The world would be good to turn to them. The world turns to everybody else but the Hebrew, but to Israel. They turn to the media, they turn to science, and uh, uh, what's the worst thing they can do is they turn to their own feelings. And what the world could do is the world would just turn to the Hebrew prophets. I'm not saying you got to, I'm not saying to, 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 you, have to you have to come in here and, 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 and say, well, I, I'm going to believe everything I see and think. You just come with an open mind to the Hebrew prophets and you'll be amazed how they're going to show you what's going on in the world today. They're going to show you through prophecy what you're dealing with today. And, 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 the, and the only reason people don't recognize this is, is because they don't want to see the truth or the devil's got a hold of their mind because it's so obvious when you get into this. It's so obvious when you get into this that the Jews are where it's at. I was listening to these two Gentiles. They had some kind of YouTube podcast, and these two Gentiles were saying, and these were very intelligent men. One was a doctor. He said, by far, per capita, there's more geniuses that are Jews than anybody else. And these guys are both atheists. And the guy turns to the other, he says, why do you think that is? Goes, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. Do you know how much technology our military is getting from the nation of Israel, that little bitty nation? We're getting so much technology, so much. How many of y'all were at the Miracle of Israel exhibit in Abilene when they did that little thing? Do you remember when he sat there? They showed all the stuff that, that Israel's been, all the, they're the leaders in technology, they're the leaders in medicine, they're the leaders in, in, in scholars and masters and geniuses. Israel is where it's at. The Jewish people is where it's at. That's why I encourage you. 
Just look at the truth of what's going on with Israel. Go to a Jew and they'll tell you what's going to happen in their writings right here. They're going to tell you what's going to happen. Verse 14, let's move along. I need to move along quickly. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. He shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. He had to clean himself up. See, he's been in the prison. He's been wallowing around. So they say, uh, hey, Pharaoh wants you. And Joseph's like, well, what does Pharaoh want me for? He's had a dream. He wants you to come up here and interpret that dream. Come on. Clean yourself up. Shave yourself up. Come on up here. Clean yourself up. You're about to go in front of the most important man in the world. Pharaoh at the time was the most powerful, important man in the world. He, this was the leader of the world. It'd be like us going in front of the President of the United States. We're going to try to wear our Sunday best, right? Most of us would. Now, if we were going in front of Obama, a lot of us would probably just show up in some blue jeans. And if we did show up, amen. But we're not going to get, we're not going to get uh, political uh, in here unless it serves our purposes. <laughs> no, I'm just, messing, I'm just messing around. Verse 15, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Now, guys, what Joseph does here is the most important thing a Christian can do. You give God all the glory. You say, it's not me that's doing this, it's Jesus Christ. If you, if you give something to somebody or you're doing something for somebody and they're so, I'm so thankful to you, you say, well, don't th thank me, thank the Lord. It's the Lord in me. Uh, praise the Lord. Give the praise to the Lord. The only reason I have the, the breath to get up out of bed is the Lord Jesus Christ. The only reason I have the strength to work is the Lord Jesus Christ. I have this money in my back pocket to give to you because of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Joseph does the most important thing a man can do. He says, it's not in me. It's God. Amen. Now notice he says this after he's been beat and whipped and almost killed and thrown as a slave and he's doing what's right and he, he's never given up on God. Amen. When most people would have. I would have. I'm not going to lie to y'all this morning and say, I, that takes such great faith to live for years and years in a, in a prison. To live as a slave and to try to live a godly life. When all he had to do, all he had to do was to sleep with one woman. And everything, he was, he was the leader of this house. He had everything going for him. He had all the money he wanted. All he had to do is to sleep with this one woman. And it, just, just do that one thing and everything will be okay. And he says, my God won't let me do that. The God that sent you down as a slave? The God that threw you in a pit? That God? That God. I can't do it. He never turned his back on God. And now he's being brought up before the most powerful man in the world. The man that can kill him with, a, with just, just a word. Pharaoh could have him killed. And he gets out and all he could have said is, Yeah, that's me. I'm the one you want to talk to. I'm the one that has a knowledge. He could have took all the glory. He could have said, Yeah, because it would have maybe got him out of prison. But he says, It's not me. It's God. Amen. Guys, we can learn so much from that. We can learn so much from that. And God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. What that means is the answer of peace doesn't necessarily mean he's going to give him a, a peaceful message or a peaceful answer. But this answer will give him a peace of mind knowing what's going to happen. That's what that means. Verse 17, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, here's the dream again, Behold, I stood upon the bank of the river. 
And behold, there came up out of the river seven kind, fat flesh and well-favored. They fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them, poor and very ill-favored, and lean flesh, such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt, for badness. And the lean and the ill-favored kind did eat up the first seven fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them. You couldn't tell. But they were still ill-favored. As at the beginning, so I awoke. See, what the problem is, he said, if these, li these skinny ones... These sickly ones would have ate the fat ones and looked better. Then he, he might not have been such a bad dream. But when they're skinny ones, they eat those fat ones up. And they still look skinny and nasty and bad. It woke him up. Verse 22, and I saw in my dream. And <clears throat> behold, seven ears came up and one stalk, full and good. And behold, seven ears with their thin and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the thin ears devoured the seven good ears. And I told this unto the magicians. But there was none that could declare it. To me. Outside of Jesus Christ, all other religions are just guessing. All other religious teachers, all other religious systems outside of Jesus Christ are just guessing it. And sometimes they give a good enough guess that people fall for the, for the trick. But the truth is, is they don't know. And that's one reason why they get so frustrated with Christians. Because I'll stand in front of them with a straight face and not blink an eye and say, I'm going to heaven. Amen. Nobody can know if they're going to heaven. Oh, I know. I know I'm going to heaven. Well, you can't be for sure. I mean, what, I, I'm sure. Amen. They don't like that. They don't like the, It's not confidence in me. It's confidence in a man named Jesus Christ. It's confidence in a book that was written. It's prophecy that's got the truth in it. That I read that the Holy Spirit moves. It's that confidence. It's that righteousness makes you as bold as a lion. It does. Ben, you got the righteousness of Jesus Christ and the righteousness of this Bible and you start standing up for the truth. It makes you speak the truth. And it, you, everybody else, they can just get, get on. I don't care. I know where I'm going, and I know what, I, like we sang the song this morning, I know I've got a mansion waiting for me. You might have a tent or something else, but I know I've got a mansion. Not that I deserve it. Not that I'm going to do something good. It's because of what Jesus Christ did. You see, it all goes back to the Lord. And you're wasting your time getting into any other religions, getting into any other person than Jesus Christ. He's the only one that has the answer. And this Pharaoh admits it. None of them could declare it to me. He's smart enough not to be fooled. Don't you know they tried to give him an answer? Don't you know they tried to say, oh, well, let me, let me tell you what this means. And I think it means, and I, maybe it means it could be this, and it could be that. And Pharaoh's wise enough and smart enough to go, you don't know. Will somebody find me somebody who knows? And what does Joseph say? Hey, it's not in me, but God knows. God knows, and look what Joseph says in verse 25. Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. They both mean the same thing. Both the dreams mean the same thing. God has showed Pharaoh what he's about to do. That's what makes our God, God, capital G. And Isaiah, God says, I'm going to prove to you that I'm God because I'm going to show you what's going to take place before it takes place. That's how you can know I'm your God and that I am God because you're Images, your silver idols, they cannot speak. They cannot tell you what's going to take place. I'm going to tell you what's going to take place before it takes place. So when it does take place, you'll say, they didn't know it, but Jehovah God did. Amen. He must be God. Amen. And that's what he's saying. He's saying God has showed Pharaoh what he's about to do. 
Verse 26, then the seven good kind are seven years. And the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. Isn't that such a simple, you know, when you read this and you hear Joseph and you know the story, you're like, that's real obvious. That's pretty obvious. Even, you know, some kids would probably get that. After you know what's going to happen, it's obvious. It, it, have you ever had somebody give you a riddle? And they tell you some kind of riddle, and they'll say, so-and-so got on a bus, and the bus went so far, and then the bus bus this, and then this people got on, these people got off. And when I was in school, they always had those kind of riddles. And then this person gets and then they'll say, they'll say, when did, how many people were on the bus? And, then, and the riddle is, nobody was on the bus, or something at the end. It was just some trick. And that, that's the point is, you're like, ah, oh, so simple. Why am I so, you're not stupid. But when you know the end of it, it makes it real easy. Hindsight is twenty twenty. we say. And the seven thin and the ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind will be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Verse 29, behold, there come seven years of great plenty. Now, I'm going to stop here and, and, and say something. He says, behold, there come seven years of great plenty. What he's about to say is some good news and some bad news. And the world gets caught up in, and so many people are bad about this, they, they stop right here at verse 29. And they don't continue on. And the pastor says, or a preacher says, or, the, or they'll see a bulletin board somewhere, or they'll see a church sign somewhere, and it says, God loves you. And that's where they stop. And they don't continue on. You don't understand the good news until you understand the bad news. Amen. So let me give you some bad news in here this morning if you're not a born-again believer. The bad news is that you're a sinner. And you're going to commit sins. And you're going to have to stand before a holy and just God. And He's going to judge you for those sins. Now the bad news is Jesus Christ said you're condemned already. And what the Bible teaches us, there's no way you can pay back for those sins. You can't even die yourself on a cross and be crucified yourself and shed your own blood. It won't work. Your blood is corrupt. It's got sin in it. That's the bad news. Amen. There's no way out of that. There's no way out. Nobody's ever found a way out of it. Nobody. That's pretty bad news. Amen. But the gospel, which means the good news is Jesus Christ... God manifest in the flesh. God sent His only Son down here, His only begotten Son down here, to be born of a virgin. He'll have sinless blood. He walked on this earth, never committing a sin. And his, He was the sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb that was supposed to die on the cross for mine and your sins. So when you look at the cross like the serpent was in the wilderness that Moses erected, the brazen serpent, when you look on that cross, when you would have looked on that serpent, if you believe, you'll be saved. Amen. And Jesus Christ has said, if you'll believe on, the, on, 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 on Him, you'll not be condemned. Amen. But if you believe it not, you're condemned already. He was that Passover lamb. That blood He shed was for mine and your sins. 
Like what's going to happen here when you continue this story, when we get into Exodus, they took the Passover lamb, they killed it, and God says, you put the blood on this side of the doorpost, you put the blood on that side of the doorpost, you put the blood at the top, so you got a cross going on here. He said, you put that blood over there. He goes, that's going to be a token between me and you that death's already been there. And when the avenging angel, when death, the destroyer, comes by, he sees that blood, death's already paid the price. He's going to continue on. He's going to kill somebody else's firstborn. Amen. And God says, you put that blood on there and you get in the door. Amen. And if you'll get in that door, you'll be saved. It didn't matter if you were a murderer a harlot, a liar, a thief. You just got in this door and you were saved. Amen. The Bible says Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. Amen. So as a sinner, and we've all did some wicked things, some of us a lot more wicked than others. We are as sinners saying, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I, I know I repent. I know he's, the, uh, he's my Savior. I know I'm going to go to hell without him. I'm going to get underneath that blood. I'm going to get in the door. Jesus Christ said, I am the door. I'm going to get in that door, and I'm going to be safe, and I don't have to worry about anything. Thanks to the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's from pretty good news. Well, what do I have to do to earn it? What do I have to do to get this, this favor of God? What do I have to do? You got to do nothing. Don't do nothing. It's the gift of God. It's God's grace. You don't work your way in. It's God giving it to you. But see, they hear this and they never get the bad news. So many people get the good news. They get that God is love and God is grace, but they forget that God is also a holy God. God's also a judgmental God. God's also got a place called heaven and He's also got a place called hell. We want the movies that say heaven is real. We want the movies that say heaven is real. We don't want the movies that say hell is real. And I don't blame you. Nobody likes to hear the bad news, but the truth is there is some bad news. There is some bad news about God. He is a judging God. He's a jealous God. He's going to judge you outside of Jesus Christ. Now you either can get into Jesus Christ and get past that judgment and not worry about it anymore like me and look somebody boldly in the face and say, I'm going to heaven. Because I'm not leaning on Keegan, I'm leaning on Jesus Christ. He's my rock. Or you can get over here and you can say, I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to stand before God and let Him judge me and all my good will be on one side and all my bad will be on another. Let me tell you something, God never teaches that. The Bible never teaches that. You know what the Bible teaches is, you're going to stand before God and you're condemned already. It's a, it's a sentencing phase. You're going before a judge that's got everything about you written out. If you want the God of the universe while your mom and dad and all your family are standing around start reading out everything you've done in your life, that's a sin. All those skeletons you have hidden in your closet, that's what's going to happen at that great white throne judgment. But when he gets to mind and he opens it up, the angel's going to say, I can't see anything here. All his sins are covered with blood. There's blood. I can't read a one of Keegan's sins. They're all covered with blood. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to stand boldly and say, you're my father. And Jesus Christ is my friend. He's my Savior. And I'm only here because of Jesus Christ. When you get to heaven and people think, well, I'm going to go to the pearly gates and I'm going to talk to St. Peter and I'm going to say some witty thing and St. Peter's going to let me in or not let me. It don't work that way. And if it, even if it did work that way, you would go and 
knock on those pearly gates, say, will you let me in? He say, say the password. Uh, I went to church. That's not good, say the password. Well, I gave some money to the church. That don't work. Say the password. Well, I was, I was a good person and I didn't ever commit murder. I never cheated on my wife and I tried to do what's right. Say the password. Come on, let me in. We need a password. And I'm going to walk right past you, push you aside, and they're going to say, say the password, and I'm going to say, Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on in, brother or sister. Come on in. It's all about Jesus Christ. He's the ticket. Amen. He's the only name whereby a man must be saved. It's the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't go to the pearly gates and think you're going to say Muhammad or Buddha or the Pope or Brother Keegan or any of your loved ones. You're not going to say any name other than the name of Jesus Christ is going to get you in. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. And the plenty shall not be known in the land. No, verse 29. But behold, there comes seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. That's the good news. Here's the bad news. And there shall arise after them seven years of famine. And all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of the famine following. For it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God. And God will shortly bring it to pass. He got a double witness. All through God's Word, you had to have a double witness for something was true. You couldn't just convict somebody on a single witness. There had to be a double witness. And God's given Pharaoh a double witness saying, Okay, you've heard it once. Now you've heard it twice. Now I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. Verse 33, Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise. And set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this. And let him appoint officers over the land. And take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. What he's saying is, you got 100%. You take a fifth part, that's 20%. You say, I'm going to take 20%. And you got to put it to the back. That's really good advice, brothers and sisters, how to do your finances. If you got, you're having some really good years, you're financially doing pretty well, you need to take some good chunk of your money and start putting it into savings. Start putting it into savings. Get yourself out of debt. Amen, Brother Keegan. First thing you need to do, get yourself out of debt. Don't owe anybody. Try not to owe anybody. Now, we know there's things that some of us are stuck in mortgages. It's hard to do, but it's best your ability to try to get out of debt, start putting some money in the bank, start putting some money in the bank, call it an emergency fund. Call it an emergency. What do you want to call it? Put it in a bank. Don't touch it. And have a separate savings account you put in there. You go on vacation on that account, whatever you're going to do. But you have another account you never touch. And you get that account set up so whenever you get fired at your job or they, they, whatever happens in your life, you have health crisis in your life, you're going to have some money put back so you can keep on living. That's some good advice that he's given. That's some good counsel. Joseph was a good counselor. Now Joseph as a type of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 is called the Wonderful and the Counselor, capital C. That's why he's such a great type of Jesus Christ. And let them gather all the food of those good years that they come up and lay up a corn on the, un, under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities and that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land perish not through the famine. Alright, verse 37. That's some good counseling. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants... Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? That's a good question. 
Can we find anybody like this? Well, let me give you an answer. No. No, you cannot. Can we find anybody like Jesus Christ in all the world, all these billions of people that have been born, has there ever been anybody that's come close to the man Jesus Christ? No, not one. That's why we sing the song, no, not one. Never. There's no other man like Jesus Christ. There's no other friend like Jesus Christ. And listen to me, there's no other Savior like Jesus Christ. You know why I wouldn't say Buddha or Muhammad if I went to the pearly gates? You know why I wouldn't say the Pope? You know why I wouldn't say some pastor friend? You know why I wouldn't say those, those words as a, as a password to get into heaven? Because they haven't done nothing for me. We're talking about a man, Jesus Christ, that loves me enough to die for me. That's why, that's why we love him. That's why we adore him. That's why we have 500 songs in a hymn book about one man, Jesus Christ. He is the man. Jesus Christ is the man. He's my main man. I grew up around this youth director. And this guy, he knew I didn't have a dad. And he knew I was just some little scraggly little kid. And he'd come up there. And, I, you know, my hair wouldn't be combed. My teeth wouldn't be brushed. Just nasty little kid. Looked like I just crawled up underneath a house or something. And he'd come over there and he'd go, here comes Keegan. He goes, my main man, my main man. That's what he'd call me. My main man, Keegan, my main man. Well, everybody was his main man. But when you're a little kid, I'm, I'm his main man. And that meant so much to me as a little bit kid. I'm his main man. You know, that made me feel good. Jesus Christ is my main man. Amen. And when I say that, I mean that. He is the main. He's my main man, Jesus Christ. All right. Here we go. Verse 39. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. That's true. Nobody is. Thou shalt be over my house, according unto thy word, shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Unbelievable. Here's a guy that's a Hebrew, not an Egypt, Egyptian, a Hebrew that's living in prison. Pharaoh brings him out, and at the same time brings him out, sets him up and says, okay, the only one that's going to be higher than you is me. Only God could do something like that. Amen. Only God, because that just makes no sense at all. Not, if it had been an Egyptian, maybe. Another Egyptian, maybe. But this isn't an Egyptian. This is a Hebrew, a Jew. Amen. And he's brought up and he's set right on his right hand. It says, only in the throne room am I higher than you. Only. When we leave the throne room, whatever you say goes. You see what he says? It's amazing. That's a great type of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said in John chapter 14, verse 28 at the end, He says, I go unto my Father, unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And what He means by that is, when Jesus Christ is manifest out, He gets all the glory. He gets everything. He's God manifest, manifest out in the flesh. But when He gets up to the throne and He goes back into the Father, when, he, when that part of that Trinity goes back in to become one with the Father, then the Father on the throne is greater than Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's what Pharaoh's saying here. It's pretty amazing. Verse 41, verse 41, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh is God the Father in this type. Joseph is Jesus Christ in this type. And then, of course, we know that Jesus Christ is set over all the world, which Egypt is a type of the world. Verse 42, And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. When Pharaoh takes off his ring and takes that ring and puts it on, on Joseph's hand, that's a sign of sonship. 
The prodigal son had the same thing happen. He takes that ring and he puts it on his hand. He says, now you're my son. You're my son. And then he says he puts on the fine linen. That's a linen of righteousness. And then he puts on a gold chain. That's a chain of deity. You see where this is going? Jesus Christ is God the Father's son. And he's glorified. In verse 43, and he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. Notice, it says he made him ride in the second chariot. Jesus Christ is the second part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, God the Holy Ghost. You know what makes this an interesting type, brothers and sisters? If you go to Daniel, Daniel had the same thing happen to him. Remember he interpreted the dream? He comes up, and when Daniel's given the same gold chain, Daniel said, Daniel said and you're going to be the third ruler in the kingdom. And Daniel's a great type of the Holy Ghost of the Bible. He's a great interpreter. So you have Joseph as a second as Jesus Christ and Daniel as the Holy Ghost. The third ruler with the golden chain. It's pretty, pretty amazing types. God's got that all designed in here, guys. Turn your TV off. Click off your computer. Take your phone and throw it out the front window or something. Pick up a Bible and read it a little bit. Learn something. Learn something that'll go pretty far. Who cares what Beyonce's doing? Who cares what Kardashians are doing? Who cares what Trump's doing? We need to be caring about what God's doing. Amen. You know, I love what some of the stuff we got going on with the president and some of the things he's doing, and I agree with him when it comes to Israel. But guys, really, significantly, not a lot's changing your life. And you can do so much more for your life if you just pick up a Bible and study it. Amen. And turn off Fox News and some of this other stuff maybe you're watching and get, get, get close to God. He's in control. Verse 43. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And look, and they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler of all the land of Egypt. <laughs> Woo! Here's a prisoner. Here's a guy that was down in a dungeon, a slave that became a prisoner. And now everybody must bow the knee. Amen. Who does that remind you of? This man walking around that didn't have a pillow, or a head, a pillow to lay his head on. This man, Jesus, walked around and didn't even have a house. They had nowhere to sleep. They walked around, didn't have a sword on his side. He didn't kill nobody. He just walked around. He was healing people. He was meek. He was lowly. He was, a, he was a suffering prophet. He was a lamb brought to the slaughter to be put on the doorpost. He was a sacrificial lamb. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he died and they crucified him and they suffered him. But now he's lying. The lion, the king of kings and Lord of lords. And the Bible says about Jesus Christ that the Lord, wherefore God also hath exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and of things in earth and things under the earth, down in hell. You're going to be brought out of hell, you're going to have to say, Jesus Christ is Lord, bow the knee, and they're going to cast you down into hell. The final lake of fire. You will bow the knee. You can either bow it now or bow it later. Everyone will bow the knee to Jesus Christ. I see these people on TV. I get so mad. I have to turn it off. My face gets so red. They're over there mocking Jesus Christ. And they're yeah, just stupid Christians. It's, I mean, they're always, and I'm like, oh, I get so angry. And I just, be ye angry and sin not, amen. I, I try not to let it turn into sin. I get so mad. I just want to take my TV and throw it out. I get so mad. At that. And then I think, you know what? One day they're going to see the truth. They're going to stand before a holy God 
and their knees are going to be shaking like Belshazzar, and they're going to be smoking, and, they're standing, and then the angel's going to turn to them and say, hey, hey, and they're going to turn and look at that angel, and the angel's going to say, get on your knees, you're before the holy God. Amen. Okay, I will, I don't deserve this, I was a good person, I was, say Jesus is Lord, Je- Jesus is Lord, I know He's Lord now, I know He's Lord now, don't take me, don't take no! Off into hell. That's why in the Bible it takes a while before all the tears are wiped away. There's going to be some tears going on, guys. We need to get this real in our heart that men and women are going to stand before God in judgment of hell. We got loved ones going to hell and we don't care. We, we, I'll, I'll tell them later. I don't want to offend them. I, you know, it just, it, it, it's so uncomfortable. Yes, it's uncomfortable. How uncomfortable is it going to be at the judgment of God when they're standing there? Crying, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Man, it's a dreadful thing to think about that coming. I'm not trying to wake you up and get you, get you too woke up this morning, but guys, we need to really seriously think how we're living our Christian life. We're living like there's never going to be a judgment. It's all good news. We've stopped at that verse. And we've closed our Bible and now we're living in a great joyful community and we're living in the church and everything's wonderful. And it's because God's wonderful, not because of us. But there's a payday someday. And judgment's coming. And the, the Bible says at the end of John chapter 3, verse 36, the wrath of God abideth on him. God's wrath's coming. And he's given us the words through the Hebrew prophets to warn us. And people are mocking it. And people are making fun of it. And people say, ah, that stuff's not really true. I really can't. And everybody's mocking it. But God's going to be true. And God's going to do just what he said he's going to do. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, verse 44, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Verse 45, in closing. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath-Paneah. See that long name in there? Say that three times fast. Zaphnath-Paneah. That's what Pharaoh called Joseph. And he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Now I want to close real quick and say this. That name that Pharaoh gave Joseph, Zaphnath-Paneah, that's an interesting name. Because you know what that name means? The Savior of the world. Amen. Can you believe that? The Savior of the world. Truly, truly, Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Amen. He's not only the Savior of the Jews. He's the Savior of the Gentiles. He's not only my Savior... He can be an African man's savior. He can be an Arabian man's savior. He can be an Oriental man's savior. He is truly the savior of the world. Amen. What a great type that Jesus Christ has shown through the life of Joseph. Guys, we've got such a wonderful savior. He's worthy of everything we do. And if you don't know him, I feel sorry for you. You don't realize what you're missing out on. And if you're not living for him, as a Christian, I feel sorry for you too because you don't realize the abundant life he could give you just by trying to live a holy, clean life 
and try to have fellowship with Him. There's no greater fellowship than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No greater fellowship. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank You for Your words. Father, thank You for the story of Joseph, Lord God. Thank You for making it real to us, Father. And Lord, I just pray if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that's never received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, Father, they don't know if they were to die tonight, if they would wind up before You in judgment and be cast into a devil's hell. Father, I ask You to make that real to them. If they're in here this morning, Lord God, and they're not even thinking about these things, Lord God, I ask you right now, come into their heart, Father, and speak to the truth. And show them, Lord God, that this is sombering, this is real, Lord God, and there is a payday someday. And Lord, that all men come to an end, and that we as grass are just withered away. Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will move, Father God, speaking to our heart the truth, Father. And Lord, we want to thank you, and we can't thank you enough for salvation in Jesus Christ, Father. And if somebody doesn't know Jesus Christ, Lord, we just pray that you will come in, speak to the heart, Lord God, and as we give this invitation, they'll come on down the aisle and get saved. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's have an invitation, brother. If you don't know Jesus, this is your chance, man. Don't go out those doors. It's really simple. You say, well, I... I want to wait till I stop smoking or stop drinking or stop cussing. Don't wait to do anything. What you need to do is come down and get saved and let the Lord change you. Amen. You're not going to ever change without the Lord Jesus Christ's help. Amen. What you need to do is get down here and get saved. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And what you need to do is pick yourself up from there and let the Lord lead you. Amen. Get that took care of. Man, I don't want to preach your funeral. And I preach a lot of funerals. And not know if you went to heaven or hell. What? That's such an awful thing to do. Preach funerals and not know if a guy went to I've preached young men, very young men, and they didn't know if they were going to heaven or hell. I had no idea if they did. I preached a young man's funeral that was 18, died of brain cancer. He knew he was going to heaven. Amen. Trevor Wright, he knew it. Boy, what a blessing. Man, the Holy Spirit just came into that place. And all those young teenagers from the high school, they were in there. I don't know how many hundreds of them were in there. And the Holy Spirit just came in there and went, oof. I, I almost could physically see the change in people's faces as the Holy Spirit started moving on these young men and young women, teaching them and leading them, trying to lead them to the Lord. And I feel the Holy Spirit moving. And if uh, you don't know Jesus Christ, man, don't waste another day. You're wasting your time away in this world. This world's wicked. There's, there's nothing in this world to get. Jesus Christ is where it's at. Don't leave here without. And it's so simple. It's coming on down here, knowing you're a sinner, and take Jesus Christ. And you'll never be the same. Amen. Let's have an invitation, brother. What song? Number 17. Number 17. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But 
verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon Him.